Well, good morning, Ridgecrest. Why don't you please join us and stand as we sing here.
Good morning and welcome to Ridgecrest. We have a few announcements as we get started today. Um, listen, I know it is only November 7th, so I partly, I feel like I need to apologize for making a Christmas announcement until I saw that Mindy Medlam has already put a Christmas tree up. I know of at least three church members who have put Christmas decorations up, and you all should be ashamed. But anyways, uh, we do have a few Christmas announcements for you, okay? Um, so lots of times... With, with kids and preschoolers, we do Advent guides, and families use that um, uh, for a devotional guide throughout the Christmas season. Well, I'm excited because this year we have an Advent guide that we're going to be using for our entire church. And so right here, here's a copy of this book. It's called The Seventh Birthday, and it's an Advent guide for adults and also for families. Um, and our church is going to be doing this together, okay? These are going to be for sale for the next few weeks out in the foyer for $10 a piece. Uh, so you can buy one per family, or if you don't share very well in your household, I guess you can buy two or three. Um, but I'm really excited about this because it's kind of got a different take on Advent because it's called Seventh Birthday, and what it does is it walks through and looks at seven different instances in the Old Testament of, of barren women who God miraculously sent them a son, okay? And so it walks through those. This is the only Advent guide I've ever seen in my life that talks about Samson, okay? It's, it, it's not like normal, and so I really like it. And then the seventh birthday being the miraculous birth of Jesus. So um, it'll be a great resource for adults and for families. You can get your um, Advent guides in the foyer. I believe it'll be starting on December 1st. Also, Pastor Jeremy's sermon series is going to be walking along in the same content with this. Um, so what you're learning at home and what you're learning here at church will combine together, which is always a good thing, okay? Um, one other Christmas date. If you have kids and preschoolers in your family, you'll want to put December 4th um, on your calendar because we're going to have a special family experience called Manger Project. It's a, it's a come and go thing on that Saturday morning where you can come together and your whole family, um, you, get to, you get to work together and build a manger. You get to do gingerbread houses. There's different stations that you get to go to, kind of self-guided, um, but revolving around spiritual content to start those conversations with your family, um, to start the Christmas season right, focusing on Christ. So you won't want to miss out on that December 4th for preschool and kids' families, okay? And then lastly, we have two things to celebrate uh, of how you guys have been so generous um, in giving to the Lord. Our mission here is to make Christ-centered disciples of our neighbors and the nations. And two things that we've done uh, to impact our neighbors that live right here near us. First off is we collected school supplies for Jeffrey's Elementary, which is just like a block or two down the road. And you guys were so generous that you bought so many school supplies that we took two different trips over to the school. At first, um, Kelsey tried to fit it all in her car, and I hear that was less than successful. You guys are so generous, okay? So the next time, uh, they asked me and my truck to come help. So the moral of that story is always make sure you have friends with trucks, okay? Um, but great job. Thank you for being generous to help that support that local ministry partner. And then the other one was Grand Oak Missions. We were bringing food um, to give to Grand Oak Mission, which is a food pantry here um, in Greene County, serving Springfield area. And you guys, Kelsey said you, her and Melanie actually weighed the food, uh, and, and there was over 1,000 pounds of food that we um, brought and gave to Grand Oak. So good job. You can go ahead and give yourself a round of applause for that. Good job. Thank you for being generous. Uh, if you are a guest here with us, we're so glad that you join us. There, the, the seat back right in front of you, there's a, there's a guest card that we'd love for you to fill out to know a little bit about you. And when the offering plates come by in just a few minutes, uh, you can make that your gift to us and drop it in there. We'd love to connect with you. But now, uh, let's continue to worship.
I could have you go ahead and stand back up. So grateful for the finished work of the cross. I mean, we get to stand in that victory, amen?
Suddenly, articulate with the 
Amen. Good morning, Ridgecrest. Thursday will be Veterans Day, and I would like uh, to give honor to the men and women that have served our country. If you're here today and you've served in our armed forces, would you please stand? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Not very many of us know what it means to sacrifice. And we call on serving, but most of the time it's the time that we give up. Um, when our daughter went into the Marine Corps, uh, not knowing that, you know, when she finished up high school and went in, you know, they go in and then it's two years before you ever see them again. And it's so, thank you. Thank you to your families that have gave up their time. Thank you for your sacrifice. Uh, if there's anything that we've ever needed to do in this country now is be able to give honor where honor is due. And uh, so today we say thank you. Uh, if our offering bears would come, we're going to take up this morning's offering. Amen. That's right. Amen. As they're making their way, today... Tune your heart and your ears to hear God's word. Tune your heart to hear what God would have to say to you today. But secondly, just don't hear it. Today, if we've ever needed to, we needed to be able to react. You can hear gospel, but if there's not a demonstration that happens... It creates frustration. And as they were singing that song, if we have truth in God's Spirit, we create transformation. So today, tune your ears to hear God. But second, tune your ears to do what's next in your life. Bow your heads and pray with me. Lord, I love you. And God, I am thankful and I want to say thanks to every veteran, God, that has served this country and every family that's attached to a veteran. God, the sacrifice that they gave for the time that they spent away. Lord, I pray that you'll just wrap your arms around them and love on them. But God, most of all, let your people hear your voice. Let your people today, God, hear it, but know what to do with it next. And so, Lord, I pray for this offering. I pray, God, that you'll do a mighty work with what you have given us. And, God, I pray that blessings be poured out richly upon all of us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
our cornerstone Ephesians 2 19 through 22 says so then you are no longer strangers and aliens but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple church let's put our foundation in him our chief cornerstone let's declare this together
apply it to our lives and to our hearts. In your name I pray. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Good morning, church. So good to be with you this morning. Uh, in the last few weeks, if you've been with us, Pastor Jeremy has just been treating us uh, with wonderful messages through the book of Genesis, and so we've been walking through the stories of Noah and, and uh, the ark. Uh, last week, we were uh, talking about Noah and the rainbow and the promises of God. Uh, this week, Jeremy and Jenny are actually in Chicago visiting their daughter, Avery. I think she had a birthday sometime in the last week or two. So Pastor Jeremy is there, and so uh, when he was telling me, he said, Kevin, he said, could you uh, fill in for me Sunday? He said, uh, you can either uh, finish Genesis chapter 9, or you can get people out of the boat. So being the good student of the word, I said, well, let me go see what uh, the end of Genesis chapter 9 is. And so I went and I read the end of Genesis chapter 9, and I said, get out of the boat, it is. Um, now, all of you, don't rush over to Genesis chapter 9 to see what's there. You can do that after the service, and then you'll know why I chose to get people out of the boat because of what, what's there. So uh, anyway, um, we're, when the ark landed, uh, when God uh, allowed that ark to land, and uh, I think Jeremy in his sermon said that it was uh, ripe, I think is what he said. Uh, after all those days in the boat, it's time to get off the boat. And so uh, today we're going to be talking about unloading the boat. Uh, today I want to focus on vision and faith, vision for your life, vision for my life, vision for us as a whole as a church, but not just vision but faith that helps us take that next step. And so our boat that we're going to unload is found in a different location, so if you've got your scriptures with me, open it up to Matthew chapter 14. Uh, we're going to be reading from Matthew 14 starting with verses 22 and 33. If you'll stand with me in honor of God's word as we uh, read what his word says to us. Gen Matthew 14, verses 22, it starts out like this. It says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves. For the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Don't be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Lord, I just pray that your word would prove powerful in our lives today. Say what you need to say. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. When my uh, son, Andrew, when he was about 10 years old, we took him out zip lining. And when we, uh, we, we got out to the zip line, we got all, uh, you know, all the gear on, as you can see the picture here. You can see us all there. 
Um, we got out there, we were ready to go. If you've ever been zip lining, you know what we were getting ready to do. And so we were all excited. And Drew, Andrew was a little bit afraid um, to jump off the edge. We got to the place where they have that line and it's tied across this valley. And they bring you right to the edge of the cliff and they want you to jump off. And they put you into the line and they've got that line. And there you can see it running all the way across the valley. And, um, and so I, Drew was a little afraid, so I said, okay, I, you know, I clipped in and I jumped off. I said, I'll show you what it's like and I'll be waiting for you on the other side. And so I, I jumped off, I went, Drew got up there, he clipped himself in, and he still was not going to jump. He was like, you're dead. You know, I wasn't there. He's sitting there, he's like, ah, it's a big drop-off right there. How do you want me to jump off a cliff? It's like, yeah, that's what we want you to do. And so the guy that was there helping us that day, he came around, he put his arm around Drew, and he said, look, it's going to be all right. And he shoved him off the edge. <laughs> and Drew went ziplining, and he had a blast. All that to say this morning as we go through Scripture, I'm going to walk you through the Scripture today, and I'm going to be talking about your next step of faith. And lovingly, as your pastor, I'm going to put my arm around you and lead you right to the edge where you look at your next step of faith and then I'm going to take my hand and I want to just push you off that edge so that you take that next step of faith in your life. Today I want to talk about this through scripture. The life of faith is inherently a life of risk. We've got to be willing to take risk. If we look at the people in the Bible, the people, the heroes of our faith, we've been talking about Noah these last few weeks. Noah built an ark, did a crazy thing lots of years. Abraham he left Ur, and he went to a land that God was going to show him. He didn't even know where he's going. Moses, he led the people out of Egypt. He went through the Red Sea. Joshua, he marched around the walls of Jericho. Uh, David, he defeated Goliath. I I Elijah faced down the prophets of Baal. Esther, she risked everything to, to save her people. Daniel, he refused to de defile himself with the king's food. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, Rakshak and Benny for the veggie tales of you. Um, those guys, you know, they, they weren't afraid of that furnace. Uh, and Nehemiah, he led, he led the people to build back the walls of Jerusalem. And so we see these people, and when we bring our kids to church, when we talk to our children, what do we do? We hold these people up. These are the models. This is what we want you to be. This is who we want you to emulate as you grow up. The right and proper faith in life is willing to take a risk. If we're unwilling to take a chance, we can never discover what living by faith is all about. If you have to have all the answers before you make a decision, if you're afraid to take a step unless you know how things are going to turn out in the end, faith will always be a mystery to you because faith is not sitting still. Do you think that God has a vision for your life that's bigger than what your vision is for your life? I think he does. I think God's vision for our life is much bigger than what we can imagine or think or even that we would ever attempt. We don't want to step out. And this story that we're looking at this today has been described as one of the most extreme pictures of discipleship in Scripture. The background of this story is very simple. Before we get to the boat, we know that Jesus has just fed the 5,000. Now, that was 5,000 men with women and children, but Jesus has just finished doing that. And if you remember at the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus asked the disciples, he said, you feed them. He asked them to do something that was impossible for them to do. They did not know how to feed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. Uh, he said, what's in your hands? And they said, this is all we got. We don't have much. 
And that's the way it is with our vision for our lives. Often when we see our vision for our lives, it's, well, what can I do? What, can I, what are my talents? What are my abilities? What am I able to do? And Jesus wants to not see us to see what we can do, but what he can do. When he asks us what's in our hands, little is much when God is in it. What are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with what God has given you? We look at that five loaves and two fishes. It's just a few tuna fish sandwiches. And yet God's going to use it to feed a crowd of people. Just for you moms out there, just a quick aside. Moms, this miracle was possible because a mom packed a boy's lunch. Don't ever think that you don't make a difference. If some people say, I'm just a mom, oh yeah, you're a mom that can be a world changer because you're raising world changers. And so don't ever stop and say, what, what, what can I do? What can I do? Well, with God in your life, with faith, you can change the world. And that's what God has called us to do. When I was overseas, I had a, a young lady who translated for me at a pastor's conference. She was a young girl of only 20. And after I had done the pastor's conference and taught them about how to start house churches and all these places, she came to me and she wanted to reach out to, a, to an apartment complex of about 20,000 people. And nobody in her church would go with her. And she called me and she said, what should I do? And I said, you do what God's told you to do. And so this 20-year-old, she went into that apartment complex. Two months later, she calls me back, and she said, 12 people have come to know Christ, and we started a house church in that apartment complex. And I, I was like, that's awesome. You know, I, could, I couldn't be more excited. We prayed, and uh, we thanked God for what he was doing. She went back to her church, shared her testimony. Uh, a couple from her church got excited about it, said, let's go start another one. And so they did. And then when I talked to her nine months later, they had 12 church starts in that apartment complex. 20-year-old girl, and yet she just said, hey, by faith, I'm going to step out in faith. One girl in a big apartment complex, one boy in a little lunch. It's not what we bring to the table. It's what God brings to the table, right? He is the one who has given us the power, the strength. And so when, when, when the feeding of the 5,000 happened, the people wanted to make Jesus king. They wanted him they said, now's the time. He's obviously the guy. And Jesus said, it's not my time. I've still got to go to the cross. He sent the people away. He put the disciples in a boat. And he went up on a mountain to pray. And so far, so good. The disciples are in that boat. They're getting ready to go. And as they go out on the ship, they, I mean, they, they're fishermen. They know how to do a boat. Uh, they get out there in the middle of the lake. And it says, the storm comes. And when we look at the scripture, it says the storm comes about 7 or 8 o'clock in the evening. About 7 or 8 o'clock in the evening, this storm comes up, and it continues all night long. And we know that the disciples are in that boat. They're struggling 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, midnight, 1, 2, 3 in the morning. Jesus does not show up in this story until about 4 or 4.30 in the morning. And you know by that time, Matthew tells us that the, st the boat is tormented by the waves, that the waves are coming, the disciples are dirty, they're tired, they're exhausted, they're hangry, um, they, they are, they're done with this storm. And we pick up that story in verse 25, it says, During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake, and when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. By Roman reckoning, the first watch was from 6 to 9 o'clock at night, second watch was 9 to 12, third watch was 12 to 3 in the morning, and the fourth watch was 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. in the morning. And when you put this story together from the text, John chapter 6 and Mark chapter 6, they also tell this story. 
it says, first of all, that Jesus put them in the boat. Let me just tell you something real quick. They were doing exactly what they were supposed to be doing. They were doing what Jesus told them to do. Walking in obedience is not a promise of being spared adversity. Just because we're doing exactly what we're called to do does not mean there's not going to be trials and difficulties in our lives. But let me tell you this. The Jesus who put them there was in the storm with them. He will walk with us. We are never alone in the storms that come in our lives. So the disciples had been rowing all night. Uh, they, John says they're about three to three and a half miles off the shore at this time. Mark says that Jesus sees them in their struggle. Uh, it was evening, Mark says, and Jesus sees them in their struggle. Now remember, evening is 6 to 9 p.m. Jesus sees them in their struggle, and yet he doesn't come to help them until the fourth watch of the night, somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m., in our storm, we may wish that God would come a whole lot sooner. There are times when we say, God, would you come? Would you take care of this a whole lot sooner? But we can be confident that he's there with us, that he sees us. When Jesus sent the disciples out in the boat, did he know it was going to storm? Yeah? Did he care about the disciples? Of course he did. He cared about them. Is he testing them? Is he wanting them to, to call out to him? I think he's growing their faith. I think he is asking them to grow in their faith. It says, when the disciples saw him coming across the water, he becomes, comes across walking to them. One of them cried out, it's a ghost. Now, they were wrong, um, but, but they, they looked out and they saw something come across the water. They didn't, you know, I, I guess if it's me, I'm not saying, hey, look, Jesus decided to take a walk across the water. Isn't that kind of cool? Here, after we've been struggling nine hours, here comes Jesus. You know, that's not what I'm saying. You know, they say that it's a ghost. I'd probably be saying the same thing. I'd say, shut up and row faster. You know, whatever. <laughs> We've been rowing right now. We want to get off this lake. We want to get out of this storm. Would you just shut up and keep rowing? Uh, my first idea would not be, hey, it's Jesus. Um, sometimes, because of the difficulties, because our trials, because our challenges in our life, it takes eyes of faith to recognize that Jesus is around. In the middle of our storms, when we're tormented by the waves, when we've got disappointment, doubt, all those things going on in our lives, we sometimes don't recognize his nearness. It takes faith to recognize his nearness. He is near to us. I love what verse 27 says. Verse 27 says, but immediately he said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me come to you on the water. Come, he said, and then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. Now when Jesus comes to him, they're worried that he's a ghost, they're afraid, they're fearful. He says, take courage, it is I. Is that what it says in your, your scripture? It's, it's like he's saying, don't be afraid, it's me. That is not what Jesus said. He said, don't be afraid, I am. The Greek that he said there, he said, don't be afraid, I am. He took the very name of God from Moses at the burning bush and he said, don't be afraid, because the I am is here. Look, if the I am is in your storm, you don't need to worry. If the I am is here, your worries are over. And he's saying, don't worry, the I am is here. The I am is in your boat with you. He said, I am the God you need, and I am right here. I'm the one who made the storm, I made the universe, I am the creator, and I am right here with you. And the disciples knew exactly what he was saying. He, was saying don't, he wasn't saying, don't worry, it's me. Don't worry, I am. I want you to know the I am is with you in your storm. He's with you, whatever you're going through at this time. 
You know, it's interesting now that Peter asked to come out to Jesus on the water. He wasn't being impulsive. He didn't just jump out of the boat and try to get to Jesus. He asked if he could come. Uh, He knew it was Jesus. He'd just seen him feed the 5,000. He was ready, uh, and and he he gets out of the boat. Um, And I think Jesus must have smiled or laughed because Peter wanted to get out of the boat. He wanted to check it out. There were 12 disciples in that boat. Jesus had put them all there. Those same 12 disciples had been in another boat, in another storm, and Jesus calmed the storm. He said, peace be still, and that storm calmed. And so all those 12 disciples had been there at that time. Those 12 disciples had also just seen him feed 5,000, over 5,000 people. Um, And only one disciple decides to take that step of faith, to get out of the boat and to take that step of faith. Peter wasn't being impetuous. He wasn't being presumptuous. He wasn't being foolish. Because when Jesus tells you to get out of the boat, the safest place for you to be is out of the boat. When Jesus says come, you better come. When Jesus says walk, you better walk. And when he says get out of the boat, you better get out of the boat. Because the safest place for you to be is out of the boat when Jesus told you to get out of the boat. It's like people are always saying, oh, I want to be safe. I want to be secure. I hear that all the time. The safest place for you to be is where Jesus has called you to be. And I didn't say it was without danger. Remember. God's still there. He's still working. But Peter got out of that boat, and he walked on water. We don't know how far he walked. Uh, He walked a few steps before for a while. He's the only normal man that wasn't God that has walked on water, and he was able to do that. Now, it's interesting to me that if you go back in this same chapter and you get to that feeding of the 5,000, Jesus asked his disciples to do something impossible, and they couldn't figure out how to do it. And now, less than 24 hours later, Peter's doing the impossible. Why? Because he had a little bit of faith in a very big God. Because he knew what God could do. We've got to start in learning that we can trust God for the impossible. Why did Peter get out of the boat? You know, it's interesting to me when we think about getting out of the boat. John 21 tells a story about after the resurrection, uh, Peter and the guys are out fishing. Uh, a lot of the guys that are fishermen always like to t- quote this verse. It's like I'm going fishing. It's actually in the scripture, uh, John 21. And they're out fishing, and Peter actually realizes that Jesus is on the shore. They've just caught a bunch of fish. And what does Peter do? He doesn't care about the fish anymore. He doesn't care about the boat. They he could have pulled the fish in and waited on, on the boat. Peter jumps off the, the boat, and he says, I want to be with Jesus. You know why? He loved Jesus. He wanted to, to be with Jesus. That, that other stuff didn't matter anymore. The fish didn't matter. The boat didn't matter. He wanted to get out, and he wanted to be with Jesus. A vision for what God can do in your life always starts with a love for Jesus. And that love for Jesus causes us to do something, to get out of the boat, to make a difference, to take our next step of faith. His vision was for what God could do was based on his love for Jesus. God may be asking you to step out in faith, but Peter was willing to take that step. We all have goals, we all have dreams, we all have visions for our life, but most of us will not see those come to reality, even those that God has given us, even the God-given ones, because we're afraid to get out of the boat, because we're afraid to step out in faith. The other disciples, they were still frozen by fear. They're still in the boat. What is that boat? Well, it's the safety, it's security. The fishermen, they know how to get by in a boat. They don't know how to walk on water. That's not something they teach them. But they know how to get by in a boat. That boat is safety. It's security. When, the, when our faith, when a storm comes, I want to be in a boat. 
I don't want to be out on my feet in the, in the lake. Uh, I know how to be in a boat, but I don't know how to walk, walk on water. Um, the boat is what keeps us comfortable. Church, we can't be comfortable. We can't be content. We've got to take our next step of faith. We've got to get out of the boat. We've got to be ready to do what God calls us to do. Because we're afraid, because we're frozen by our fears, because we're unsure of what lies ahead, we all, a lot of times we're going to stand still. And God doesn't want us to stand still. When I read his word, he's always telling us, he's moving us out. He's saying, take your next step. What's next in your life? It's not standing still. It's taking your next step of faith. When we let our fears trump our vision, we miss out on seeing what God can do. When our fears keep us set still, we miss out on seeing what God can do. What if our greatest fear in life was missing out on what God wanted to do with our lives? What if that was our greatest fear? That's the greatest fear I have in my life. I don't want to miss out on what God can do. As your pastor, one of your pastors here, I don't want to, for our church to miss out on what God can do in our lives. That is my greatest fear, that we would miss out on something that God wanted to do in my life, in your life, in our life, as a community of faith here at the church. We've got, we cannot play it safe. We've got to be able to get out of the boat. We've got to be able to take our next step of faith. Let's not play it safe, church. If we don't continue to have a vision, if we don't continue to take steps of faith, we're going to become stagnant. We're going to become frozen, and we're not going to make a difference at all. We've got to be willing to let God lead us with his vision. When Peter asks, Jesus calls him to come. And if we ask, God's going to call us to come. He's going to call us out. He's calling us to trust him, to take that step. Peter has been fighting that wind and the waves with the other disciples for nine hours. And what is Jesus asking him to do? He's asking him to step out into the very thing he's been fighting against for nine hours. Into the storm, into the waves, into that difficulty. Why do we get out of the boat then? Because Jesus is out there. We get out of the boat because that's where Jesus is. We want to be with him. Growing out in our faith never happens until we take that risk. If we're always looking at our challenge, we're never going to take our next step of faith. We'll never be a part of what God is doing. God doesn't call us to himself. Sorry. God doesn't call us to the challenge. He calls us to himself. When he challenges Peter to get out of the boat, he isn't saying, Hey, Peter, I want you to learn to walk on water. This is your new challenge in life. I want you to learn to walk on water. No, Jesus is saying, Peter, I want you to know me. I want you to be intimate with me. I want you to have a relationship with me. And so God doesn't call us to a challenge. He calls us to himself because he wants us to be intimate with him. He wants us to grow with him. And once Peter's on the water, everything's going fine. He's, he's walking on the water. And then all of a sudden it says Peter notices the storm. Well, the storm hasn't let up yet. The storms have been going on ever since this, this whole time. And it says that the storm's not going to go away and actually till they actually, Jesus and Peter get into the boat, then it says the storm calms down. And so as Peter was walking out on the water, the storm's still raging, and all of a sudden Peter gets distracted because he starts looking at the waves, he starts looking at the wind. It says when he saw the wind, he was afraid, but the wind has been there all along. The storm's been raging. Jesus came to them in the midst of the storm. If you look, uh, it, it, he's going to tell Peter, you know, keep your eyes focused on me. I would like to define faith as dependent focus on Jesus. If we can keep our eyes, if we can keep our focus, we all get distracted. It's so easy. And especially if you're in a storm, 
If you're going through a storm in life right now, it is so easy to be distracted by everything that's going on around you. What you need to know is that God is there with you. The text, the text reminds us, not only does Christ control the storm, and he does, not only did he send the storm, and he did, he reveals himself to us in the storm. Do you know your purest uh, image of Christ, your purest image of God, is going to come in the most difficult days? He is going to do this. He's going to show himself to you in the most difficult times in our life. And when our storms come, we need to pray for a concentrating faith. We need to pray that our eyes would be fixed on him, that we would see the Son of God. We, don't, we, we all know that those storms are going to come. Life turns on a dime. It may be going good today, and tomorrow all of a sudden something breaks loose. And all of a sudden our life has been turned upside down. And it's during those times most that our faith needs to be willing to take that step, to reach out, to remember that he is there. And so when it says when he lost his concentration, when Peter lost his concentration on Jesus, he began to sink. And when he began to sink, he prayed this prayer. He prayed, Lord, save me. A real quick prayer. You know, he's going down. He doesn't have a lot of time. Uh, if, he, if he prays a long prayer, he's going to be drowned before he gets it all out. He just prayed, calls out. He says, Lord, save me. And I think Jesus reaches out his hand. When I see this story in my head, Jesus has got a smile on his face. He is, got, he, he is smiling. He may even be laughing a little bit as he reaches out and picks up Peter out of the drink. Grabs Peter. And Peter's like, hey, man, you get me back in that boat. I'll never do something this stupid again. <laughs> He's like, just get me back into the boat, buddy. And, and Peter, Peter is thinking of that. But Peter is um, muttering under his breath, get me back there. But look what verses 32 and 33 say. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. A clear view of God always leads to worship. And if we're going to worship, if we're going to... When the disciples saw who Jesus was, they realized he's Lord, they realized he's God, they worshipped him. If he is Lord, if he is God, the answer to what he asks us to do is always yes. Our next step of faith. The answer has to be yes. Because if he is Lord, and it says when they realized who he was, they worshipped him. Our worship, our lives are laid down on the line because we've already said, God, you are the Lord of my life. And if you're Lord, the answer is yes. I want to finish up today by giving you two things that I want, to, I want to point out about Peter as he walked on the water. The first thing is give Peter a little credit because he was willing to do what no one else was willing to do. A lot of people, they look at Peter and they give him a hard time because he, they said he had little faith and he, he started to sink, took his eyes off Jesus and he started to sink. Before you sink, you've got to be out on the water. As long as you stay in the boat, you're never going to sink. But you'll never walk on water either. This is not the story of Bartholomew because Bartholomew stayed in the boat. It's not the story of Matthew because Matthew stayed in the boat. It's not the story of James and John because, yeah, they stayed in the boat. That's why we talk about Peter. 2,000 some years later after this story, we're still talking about Peter. Why? Because he got out of the boat. And if we're going to be people of faith, if we're going to be ready, we've got to be ready to take our next step, and we've got to get out of the boat. So before we criticize Peter for having little faith, we real, we've got to realize that it's a whole lot better than no faith. And a lot of times when we're setting, just showing up at church, just coming on Sunday morning, it's like we've got no faith. It's time for us to have a little faith. It's time for us to step up. It's time for us to take that next step of faith and to get out of the boat. 
Second point I want to make is when Jesus called Peter little faith, he was not rebuking Peter for attempting too much, but for trusting too little. He wasn't telling Peter, Peter, you should have stayed in the boat. No, that's not what he was saying at all. He was saying, Peter, if you'd kept your eyes on me, you could have walked across this whole lake. You could have walked across the Atlantic Ocean if you just kept your eyes on me. He was saying, Peter, it's okay to get out of the boat. Staying in the boat's comfortable, but that's not what the life of faith is all about. Peter got out of that boat, and in the end, that's why we tell this story, and that's why we don't preach about the other 11, because they played it safe. I don't know about you, but I don't want to play it safe. I don't want to do the easy thing. I want to live my life for God. I want, to, I want to put it all on the line for him. We talked about all in discipleship. I want to be all in for him. If I'm all in for him, that means I'm ready to take whatever step of faith is next for me. I don't know what your next step of faith is. Christ has called us here at Ridgecrest. He's called us to be disciples. He's called us to be in community. That's why we're gathered together on Sunday mornings. We're in community. Um, he's called us to be together. He's called us to reach our neighbors. He's called us to reach the nations. We, we, we continue to lay that out before you. That's part of what we're, we're doing here. He's given us the task of reaching Springfield and this whole area with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And each one of you plays a part in that. Each one of you has a, a step to play. Each one of you has something that you need to do. And so this morning, as we finish up, I want to ask you, what is your next step? What is your next step of faith? Maybe it's time for you to get out of your desk and go visit one of your coworkers at work. Maybe it's to walk across the street and visit your neighbor. Maybe it's time for you to invite some of your family to church. Get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. It's time for you to, maybe you're thinking about short-term mission trips. Maybe you're saying, maybe I need to go on one of these trips that Kelsey and the missions department are planning for next year. Well, maybe get out of the boat. Maybe you're supposed to lead one of those trips. Get out of the boat. Maybe you're supposed to be in a small group. I've talked to people in this church. They said, I've been a member here for 15 years, and I'm still not in a small group. Why not? Get out of the boat. It's time to be in a small group. We started life groups here. We've been doing life groups here uh, for the last six months, and I've been talking to a lot of people, and they're saying, you know, I'm growing in my faith. I'm doing something. Uh, I've been reading my Bible for a lot, many years in my life. For the first time, I'm actually growing in my faith because of my life group. And some of you need to be in a life group as we launch some more of those in early January. Get out of the boat. It's time for you to do that. As we're talking about adoption, foster care, we're always talking about that. Maybe that's what God's leading you to. Get out of the boat. I don't know what you're story is. I don't know what God's leading to you, you to do, but I know that we need to be out of the boat. I want to show you last, one last picture. Remember Andrew, um, we took him zip lining, and this picture is of Andrew coming across the zip line. And I want you to look and see Andrew's face. You see him grinning ear to ear? He loved zip lining. <laughs> once he took that step of faith, once he jumped off the edge, I never had to push him again. Nobody had to push him again. He was ready to go because he, was, he, he loved it. He, he enjoys it to this day. And what I want to tell you is when you take that step of faith, when you come up and God's telling you this is what your next step of faith is, this is what you need to do, when you do that, you're going to find joy. You're going to find God's presence. You're going to find God real in your life. 
You're going to be intimate and you're going to know him in a way that you never have known him before. Why? Because you took a step of faith. And guys, that doesn't mean once we've taken one step of faith, we get to rest and relax. There's always our next step of faith. And so that's why I'm telling you this morning, I don't know what your next step of faith is, but I know you need to take it and I know you need to get out of the boat. All of us at Ridgecrest, and I'm preaching to me first, what's my next step of faith? What is God telling me to do? I need to take my next step of faith. What is he saying to you? What is he saying to us? It's time for us to get out of the boat. Pray with me. Lord, we just pray that we might be risk takers for the kingdom of God. Shake us loose from the security of staying in the boat, of doing what's easy, of being complacent. Help us to walk on the waters of faith because we believe that you will hold us up, that you will help us, that you will be with us. Give us faith to keep our eyes on you and help us to be followers. Help us, God, to get out of the boat. We so much want to see you move and work and do in this place what only you can do. Do in our lives what only you can do. God, would you give us a vision? Would you replace our little vision of what we can do with a God-sized vision of what you can do? Because, God, we want to be that person that says, I'm all in. We want to be the church that says the answer is always yes, God. Wherever you lead us, whatever you say to us, we're ready to follow. What's our next step of faith? Lord God, would you help us to know what our next step of faith is individually? Would you help speak to the hearts of everyone in this room? What do I need to do? What is my next step of faith? And God, would you give us the faith to get out of the boat? And we pray it in Jesus' precious name.
chorus one more time. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs, so we as we go our separate ways. Guide and direct us. Be the center of our life, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, thanks, you guys, for being here. Um, if you're new to Ridgecrest, out here to my right, just...